welcome to the sermon podcast of Paoli Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by the Reverend Douglas Cornelius. As we turn our attention to God's word to us this morning, our scripture comes from the letter of 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So, about 40 years ago, there were three houses in a row down in Virginia, right in a row, with young couples, young families in each. And one year, each one of those families had a son, all within a few months of one another. And my parents were one of those young families. And those two other boys in the next two houses, they would become my best friends through all of childhood. My mother actually has pictures of the three of us literally in a crib with one another. And we were practically inseparable for the next 18 years after that. Every day after school, every weekend, all summer long, we spent it hanging out with one another, playing sports, riding our bikes, going all over town, having fun, and all with my two best buddies. Now, in Virginia at that time, you couldn't work until you were 12 years old. I know, that's a little while ago, right? The age is a little higher now. But a local community pool in our neighborhood would hire 11-year-olds to do raking and mowing grass and blowing leaves and weeding out gardens, all kinds of groundskeeping. And since they couldn't legally put us on the payroll, we would work on a Saturday, and at the end of the day, they would give us a gift card to a local mall. Now, you would think all oh, parents would be upset that uh, young kids were being put to work. Oh, no, our parents were pushing us out the door. Go. My dad said, you're 11. You're old enough to go get a job. Go. Of course, we would have rather spent our Saturday having fun. I remember the first time I ever worked there, my dad told me, hey, the local pool is, is taking kids your age to do grounds crew work outdoor work, and uh, you're going to go. But I protested. I said, Dad, I have plans with my two buddies, Adam and Justin. We're going to spend the day together. We're going to hang out. We're going to have fun. And he said, oh, okay. 
And before I knew it, all three of the dads had talked, and now all three of us were going to the pool to work. My buddies got to work, and they looked at me. They were like, dude, what did you do? But we still got to hang out together for the day, and after several hours of long work together, as we were ready to head home, they presented each one of us with a $50 gift card to the mall. $50. Now, I, don't, I know that doesn't sound like much for seven or eight hours of work, but keep in mind that minimum wage at that time was under $5 an hour. So this was actually decent pay for a bunch of 11-year-olds raking leaves. And I held that $50 gift card to the Boston Common Mall in Arlington, Virginia, and I felt rich. I felt rich. I had never had so much money. I mean, my allowance growing up for helping with chores around the house was just a few dollars a week. And here I had $50 in my hand from just one day of work. Oh, I felt rich. And of course, I was. I actually was. Now, I never felt rich growing up. My family always had enough. We never had the stress of wondering where our next meal was going to come from or if I would be able to have new clothes or new supplies for school. And I'm grateful to my parents, especially my father, for working hard to make that the case. There were always presents at Christmas and birthdays. We always had a perfectly serviceable car to get us around, but I didn't feel rich. We didn't have lots of cool things. I mean, we had an old TV. I had clothes, but they weren't designer clothes. You know, like I had Nikes, but they weren't the latest Air Jordans that some of my friends had. As I said, our, our car was fine. It got us from A to B, but it wasn't cool. And we just discussed last week, my first car was an old Dodge Dart. It was actually after my sister and I moved out, moved out of the house, were grown up and got out on our own, that my parents got all the cool stuff, right? They got a pool table for the basement. My dad got a Mustang. They got a nice TV now, a nice computer and really nice furniture. And I remember visiting them and going, where was all this stuff when I was living here? Where was all the cool stuff? But now as a parent, I understand your kids take all the money that it takes to buy all of that cool stuff. So you have to wait until they're grown and they have their own money and then you can afford the cool stuff. When I was a teenager, it probably took all their money just to keep me fed. So we didn't have lots of cool stuff. I didn't feel rich, but I actually was. I know that now. I, I actually was. And I still am. I mean, I don't, I don't have money to afford everything I'd like. Taylor and I certainly don't have a lot of stuff. I mean, we have some nice things, but we don't have lots of things. And moving into this area could be a project that takes a few years. But, but we are rich. We are. We just need to take a trip down to the neighborhoods of the Cornerstone Christian Academy where we serve, see how folks are living just a half hour away. We just need to do a mission trip with the church 
or even turn on our TV and see how a lot of the rest of the world is living and we'll know we, we are rich. We are rich in money. We are rich in freedom. We are rich in blessing. We are a blessed people, you and I. And if you're anything like me, you might wonder from time to time, why me? Why am I so lucky? I, I don't feel like I did anything to deserve this. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've all known hardships in life, right? Most of us have known profound grief. We've been possibly through some employment struggles, through difficult marriages or divorce, through addiction, through serious illness. The, the struggles of life find us all in one way or another. But when we step back and we count our blessings, I mean, I can almost feel overwhelmed to the point of feeling unworthy. Why, why me, Lord? Why, why do I get all this? Why am I so lucky? Why am I so blessed? Why so blessed, Lord? Paul, in his first letter to Timothy, has something to say about that. He knows Timothy is working with some folks who are well off. And he says, look, if you're wealthy in this present age, that's fine, but don't be haughty about it. Don't store it up all for yourself. Instead, be just as rich in good works for others. Be generous. Be ready to share. Store up your treasures in heaven, not just in this present age, which echoes the teaching of Jesus and the sermon of Jonathan that we heard a couple weeks ago. Paul is saying, look, some folks are rich. That's fine. But make sure that if you're that blessed, that you are also living generously that you're also doing good. Because remember, and he says it right there in verse 17, remember, it's God that has richly blessed each one of us with all these things for our enjoyment, provided us with these things in the first place. God is the source of all the blessing anyway. But why so blessed? Why has God blessed some of us so greatly? Why so blessed, Lord? It almost feels like an unanswerable question. Like, is it just luck? Did I just happen to be born in this part of the country, in this country, in this time, with this skin color and this education and, and these circumstances, this family? And oh, don't get me wrong, we had to work hard to get where we are. But for many of us, the table kind of, it kind of felt set for us. So we feel fortunate. Why? Is it just dumb luck? Was it some twist of fate? Was it some series of connected decisions and circumstances? And why? Why so blessed? Well, we actually get an answer in our scripture this morning. Did you see that? It's there in our final verse, verse 19. And for Paul... The sneaky thing about the answer is that to get the answer, you actually need to reframe the question. You need to reorient the question. You need to turn it around because when Paul asks, why so blessed? He's less interested in how did you get here? How did it come to pass that you are so blessed? Why are you so lucky? The Bible doesn't care about that. 
Why so blessed for Paul means for what reason? For what purpose am I so blessed? For what purpose am I so rich? For what reason has the Lord been so good to me? And the answer is right there in our text. So we can do good works, Paul says. So that we can live generously. And then I love the way he puts it in verse 19. So that we can take hold of the life that really is life. See, these earthly riches and blessings, they will convince us that all the cool stuff, all the vacations, all the fine things, that this is the life. This is living. Our culture tries to convince us of that too, but it's not. And if you've been part of this church and you've been involved in the mission and the service that we do, if you've helped build homes on a mission trip or helped clean up a school or or helped work with underprivileged youth or pack bags for families, hundreds of bags to send out so they can enjoy their Thanksgiving holiday. If you've participated in the wonders of Christmas or plan to, to make Christmas joyful for another family, if you've offered an estimated giving to the church before and supported this church in all the good work it does, in its generosity towards our community and our world, then you know. You know what Paul means. That's living. I mean, that's the life that really is life. The answer is simple. Why so blessed, Lord? Why so blessed? To be a blessing. Now, I want you to try and say that with me, all right? I'm going to say, why so blessed? And you're going to say, to be a blessing. Now, you're thinking, hold on, pastor. We are Presbyterian. We don't do this. But we can, all right? Because we believe this. All right? So I'll say, why so blessed? And you say, to be a blessing. Why so blessed? To be a blessing. That's good. That was a little Presbyterian, but that's all right. Can we say it like we mean it, like we feel it? Why so blessed? Why so blessed? Yes. Yes, to be a blessing. It's always been that way, you know. It's always been the same. I mean, go back to the beginning of the story of God's people, way back to the start of Genesis in chapter 12, and God's promise to Abram right there in verse 2. God says to Abram, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. God is promising to raise up God's people out of Abraham, and God says, I will bless them so that they can be a blessing to others. Why so blessed? To be a blessing. And then we fast forward all the way through the story, all the way through God's decisive and redemptive work in the incarnation and crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We fast forward all the way from the beginning of the story in Genesis to the end in Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the whole Bible. 
And it says there in John's vision that the tree of life is sitting on the side of the river bearing its 12 kinds of fruit. 12 kinds of fruit is a symbol for the 12 tribes of Israel, meaning the people of God. And that this fruit, the fruit of that tree, it says right there in verse 2, is for the healing of all the nations. It's for the blessing of all the nations. The people of God are for the blessing of the world from the start of the story to the end of the story. That is our story. Why so blessed? To be a blessing. It's there in our story from start to finish. In this book, this book that's here to show us the life that truly is life. In this Savior who came to show us the life that truly is life. And by his grace make it possible to live the life that truly is life. Through his Holy Spirit would call us to the life that truly is life. To do good. To live generously. To grab hold of the life that truly is is life. Now, during our last song in just a moment, our ushers are going to walk up and down the aisles. It is Commitment Sunday. And this is a Sunday where we hope, as a church, that you will provide us with an estimated giving for 2024. How you think you can contribute and participate in the ministries and, and, and the life of our church. So if you brought your card, you can place it in the offering basket as the ushers move up and down the aisles. They'll go up the side aisles, so just kind of push each way, and, uh, and you can put your card right in there. If you are doing your giving estimate online, that's fine. You can put another card in there that says, I, I submitted it online, or you can not put it in. That's fine. And, you know, I could give you all kinds of reasons of why it's important to support this church financially. I could tell you that it helps us plan our budget for 2024, which is incredibly important. I could tell you that we have a duty as the people of God to provide our wonderful staff who does amazing ministry in this place with cost of living raises that correspond to the cost of living raises we're all experiencing out there in the world. I can tell you how much it takes to run an organization this size or to keep up a building this size, to run programs of this quality. I could tell you of all the good that we do in our community and our world, and it would all be true, and they would all be reasons that make it worthwhile to give your money here. But this morning, I'd rather just give you, give you, Paoli Presbyterian Church, the reason that Scripture gives us. The reason that Paul gives us, the reason Jesus gives us, the reason that has been the reason since the beginning for the people of God. The reason to give is so that you can take hold of the life that really is life. You can take hold of the life that really is life. So people of God, I'm going to ask you again, why so blessed? Why so blessed? 
Why so blessed? Then let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's be that blessing. Amen.